trying no, to get- no, no, no. I'm not working with Stephanie. Oh, okay. hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I got a little issue here because after I changed the RTMP, now it still says that we're live. You have to change the stream key too. I did, but well, yeah, then we should be live now. Just give it a second. They're gonna hear all this amateur hour. Okay, so okay, I think we're live now. Sorry, guys, we had a little issue backstage where I didn't set up the stream right, but I believe that we are we are actually live now. Okay, so yep. let me start this over. We were we we talked for like four minutes without being live. Let me start this over. So, guys, we are we are joined by three very special guests. One being my co-host, Mister CanCon. How are you doing again, sir? <laughs> Still doing it <laughs> just equally as well. <laughs> okay, great. And we also have uh, two fighters, two warriors in Pennsylvania that are right now fighting to delay the certification of the 2022 midterms in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. And uh, so so there was a Gateway Pundit article that went up this morning, definitely caught my attention because we know once they certify this election, it is going to be an uphill battle. The same thing happened in 2020, where despite all this evidence, they certified it anyway and then told us there's nothing that can be done. Even if you prove that there's fraud, well, there's no constitutional remedy once the election's been certified, right? So we are all, uh, we saw massive problems in the midterms. Um, what we, Everybody's got their eyes on Maricopa County, but we had a lot of issues in Pennsylvania as well, as well as uh, some stuff that CanCon broke with the electronic poll pads in, in Texas, paper shortages. I mean, there's issues all across the country, and I don't think anybody trusts the results of these midterms. Um, so what we need to do, is we need to fight to stop the certification until we can get all this evidence on the table and actually, um, you know, some, I mean, some people may have committed criminal malfeasance, right? Either we have massive negligence here or intentional criminal malfeasance, um, and we need to figure that out before we can actually certify this election. So we have two fighters, Leah Hoops and Gregory Stenstrom, and I'm very happy that they came on the show on such short notice to talk about this. So I don't know where you guys want to start, but if if, if you want to start just telling us um, why you've uh, filed a temporary restraining order in Delaware County, I think that would be a good good place to start. So we, uh, we believe in being proactive and not reactive. And um, what we decided to do is after the 2020 election debacle, uh, you know, we kept people in place and we started gathering more and more people to join the fight. And we set them up in, in certain places and educated them so that they can collect evidence on their own um, and then kind of come back to us. And we would come up with with uh, all of the information that we needed. And then we, we struck first on November 4th when we filed our first emergency injunction. And we have the Board of Elections now, uh, their solicitor on record stating, and it was actually quite comical to listen to, that they have a fail-safe system in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. So we caught them in, in, you know, we forced them to say exactly what we wanted them to say. And uh, we predicted that they were going to have a bunch of issues in the 2022 general election. And, um, and, you know, we didn't have standing, which is what the judge determined, and the injunction was dismissed. Uh, but the complaint state, which actually opened up a, a whole big can of worms. So now we're here. We filed this injunction and it's to stop the certification and actually give us an investigation and more oversight 
um, and, and to see, you know, the inner workings of what happened and, and to prove that exactly what we said, what was going to happen in our emergency injunction on the 4th actually transpired on uh, November 8th. So uh, th that's a, a little bit of a summary of, of what's going on. And Greg can kind of get into the, uh, you know, the other things that we have put in the actual filing. Okay. And I just want to make sure, I think I said this when we were backstage and we weren't actually recording, but I just want to remind everybody that these two are are the people that filed the Delaware County uh, lawsuit where we had the, the video footage of Jim Savage and James Allen on camera saying that they were going to commit felonies, get rid of the poll pad, the second scanners, the chain of custody records that somebody submitted a right to know request in Delaware County for all these documents. And then it was kind of like a, seemed like a sting operation where you got these guys on video after you filed the right to know request, they went ahead and said, all right, we got to get rid of all this stuff. Um, so that was these two along with Ruth Moten, a candidate. Um, and so, <clears throat> so that was actually tossed for a lack of standing. That was actually tossed for being moot. Moot. <laughs> Cause because why? Oh, here's, here's the best part. It was actually, it was quite lovely what the judge did. So he said it was moot uh, based on the fact that the 2020 election had happened two years ago. Oh. Except here's the real big kicker. So the exception to the mootness clause is that if you can prove that the behavior is continuing and being repeated, uh, which it is, then it actually meets the exception to the mootness clause. So that's going into our appeal at this point, and it would kick it back to Delaware County. Oh, wow. So that that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, now, Greg, I don't know if, do you go by Gregory or Greg? Both are good. Okay, so um, Gregory, I don't know if you want to jump into this, but you guys have a lot of evidence uh, that you've collected as justification for why they should not certify this election. Do you guys want to get into that? Sure, yeah, definitely. We, uh, just to, to kind of, add to uh, what you just said. Uh, Lee and I wrote a book because we weren't uh, given our day in court and they basically slow rolled it for two years. Uh, we wrote a book called The Parallel Election. And in the book, the we call it a blueprint for deception is the subtitle of the book. So we know pretty much how they do this. And it's the substitution of ballots, uh, you know, uh, for substitution of fake ballots for real ballots. And you know, frankly, over the last two years, you know, we've become seasoned fighters. We, you know, we know that we know the drill, we know the tricks. And well, we came to the conclusion that, that the, the way to stop prospective fraud be, is before the election commences and then during the election and then during the certification, not to stop it, but to prevent the counting of illegal votes. Uh, once an election is run and the resulting ballots are, are counted, they're just fired bullets used to kill our republic. You know, most of the election integrity efforts uh, around the country to date have gone after, you know, the resulting ballots. The way we look at it, those are autopsies. Those aren't, aren't audits, and they're, hmm. frankly, not very uh, successful. So accordingly, we took election officials to court two weeks ago before the election, the Thursday and Friday before the election, and um, we brought our case before them, and we said, look, you didn't do uh, do certain things and follow certain procedures that would uh, mitigate fraud. You know, the EAC, the federal government, uh, FBI, NSA, 
the states, uh, litigators, the legislatures, and the manufacturers all create rules and procedures to reduce the surface area and vectors for fraud. So a lot of people say, well, it's the Dominion machines, it's the Smartmatic machines, it's this and that, and they're, you know, they're all out to get us. And what they've done is they've forgotten the point that the biggest vulnerability in all these systems is people and people hmm. not following the rules. So we broke the story uh, regarding unverified voters being sent ballots before being verified, allowing 25,000 ballots in our county alone, right here in Delaware County, and more than 265,000 in Pennsylvania. We got that information from uh, Verity Vote. Um, they, they, they collected the information initially, and then we ran with it. And then we broke another story right before the election that they had um, grossly violated the pre-election um, procedures by not properly conducting logic and accuracy testing. Now, they did this around the country. And one of the results of not doing proper logic and accuracy testing is that scanners don't scan. And you saw that throughout the country. Ballots don't count. And then they're able to cull those spoiled ballots, and that permits a, fr a vector for injecting fake ones. We also accurately predicted the election results in Delaware County and PA within a single digit percentage point. We were on the you know, radio and shows uh, beforehand. And even that morning, we were on five radio shows that day where we said, Fetterman <laughs> and Shapiro are going to win by 87% of the mail-in ballot. And they said, well, how do you know that? And it's very, very simple. It's because what they it's what they needed. So when people start to understand that, then they start to understand the mechanics of the fraud that we, you know, we brought into the light. So Leah, Leah's got uh, more to add to that, and I'm sure you have questions, but I just wanted to give a summary of what we're seeing here and what we're fighting. Well, I definitely, I definitely don't want to gloss over the, you, you said that there was 26,000 ballots sent out to unverified voters in Delaware County alone. I yes. actually, co I covered that story. Uh, I think it, I said 255,000 um, ballots right. were sent out Pennsylvania wide, right? Now the House Republicans they tried to compel, uh, they they tried to compel them to issue a directive to set those ballots aside and make sure that they're not counted until they actually verify the ID of the voter. Um, whatever happened with that? Did they did they, they actually? Didn't they didn't do it. Let, so let they, me answer the first part because Leah's dying to answer the second part. So Leah, I'm just going to answer the first part and then you can talk about the new injunction. So yeah. the bottom line is our first injunction. Leah's going to talk about the current injunction. Our injunction a week and a half ago stated that the the, the election officials in Pennsylvania in particular and, and in our county conflated the law by saying that, well, we have, we, we're required by law to send those ballots out to whoever asked for them. And we said, no. Pennsylvania law says you have to register any voter who re requests it. So people who apply for a license in Pennsylvania, no matter what their residency status is or whether they're, you know, uh, illegal immigrants, illegal aliens, everybody gets a driver's license and they can register to vote. The second part of that law is that they cannot send a mail-in ballot and they cannot allow anyone to vote who's not a verified qualified elector. So what they did is they poo-pooed and they said, oh, no, no, that's not what we meant. Well, it's exactly what the law says in USC 52. It's exactly what the law says in Pennsylvania election law. And it's exactly what the Pennsylvania Department of State 
and the Secretary of the Commonwealth state. You will verify a voter before you send the ballots out. And I'm going to let Leah, and that was our first injunction, and we lost, and they ingested those votes. So it's interesting to me. Um, I can't stand politicians on either side. So a stern letter to me, you could wipe your rear end with it. So the only thing that they did, in, in all honesty, uh, is just reiterated the law. So, you know, the House and the Senate have subpoena power. Point blank period. They, all, they also can do investigations if they want to. So a letter to me and just reiterating the law does absolutely nothing other than bring attention to it, which, as we can say, uh, did nothing. Um, so what we found out, obviously, with the laws and everything else is that um, and what Verity Vote had put out, we, we broke it down into Delaware County specifically. And that's how we came up at the time with twenty five thousand. And of course, it grew after that date that we broke the story. Um And what ended up happening was our county gave us a whole list of these so-called verified voters and so on and so forth. And they said in court that they have verified them and everything's fine. And then in court, uh, actually, Greg, I'm sorry, didn't they say that they verified all of the ballots? The first day they said that they had verified all the ballots and there were zero unverified ballots on Thursday. Now continue. And then helping you along. (laughs) And then in court they said that um, there was only 500 and they had, a, they had a box with them. They're like, see, there's only 500 left that we haven't verified yet. But according to the law, um, they can verify these. They have to segregate these, these ballots by law. So they should have never been counted. The letter was pointless to me because they already had to segre- segregate these ballots to begin with. The problem being is, is that there's no observation you can't get in a counting center. Okay, you have no rights as an observer, which they did on purpose. So I wouldn't know what a segregated ballot would be and who it came from and if it right. was ever verified. And then what we found out later was using that data set and Delaware County's own data is that Delaware County had gone in and started removing people from the data set that not only applied for a ballot, but had it returned back to the county and voted. And they deleted them. So that is also a part of uh, our claim. So, um, you know, we have the data sets before, during, after. And it is just like, as these people just never even existed. So they're, they're actively removing them, which, you, you, you know, you can't, you can't do. <laughs> which is part, which is part of the spoliation. You know, a big part of our cases you've heard is spoliation. So the big thing with the parallel election is that the normal ways of committing fraud, which is raising the dead, even stuffing ballot boxes and you know phantom voters. I mean, those are used throughout the country, and they've been used for as long as people vote. But what they have done is the new systemic fraud is they target as eight swing states and thirty-two counties. And they installed centralized counting centers to perfect their fraud. And part of the biggest part of that, the, their biggest vulnerability is it requires them to delete the evidence afterwards. That's the vulnerability. So that's why we have to stop that you know, before, during, and immediately during certification. Once they've gotten the result that they want and they computed that they needed, now they have to delete the evidence. And that's where we've got them where we said, we, we've got you doing this. We've got you dead cold. We had you dead cold in 2020. 
We've got you dead cold this time. We can see you deleting and hiding your evidence and scrubbing everything. The destruction and spoliation of evidence is evidence. So with that being said, um, I think that we have a very strong case. They're working very hard to keep us out of the court, but we're going to fight our way and keep going. I would absolutely say that you've made a strong case just here in this show. Um, I, I definitely think that you guys have all the evidence necessary However, we know how the court system is set up, and I got a um, a rumble rant at the beginning of the show, like, what's the likelihood that this will succeed? I don't think anybody can answer that question, but, um, you know, this, this whole lack of standing thing, even when you guys had Ruth Moten, a candidate, like, for those that don't know, the whole lack of standing argument is that you're not the injured party. Like, if mm-hmm. if I, well, okay, hypothetically, if if... Let's say I assaulted Brian, which I would never do. But then Leah tries to sue on my behalf. Mm-hmm. They would say she doesn't lack standing because she's not the one that got injured, right? So in this in this election thing, they're trying to tell us, voters, that we don't have standing because we were not the ones injured by them potentially rigging an election. And they'll also tell a candidate that they don't have standing. When the election is rigged against them, it's absurd and it makes no sense. And a lot of people have really lost complete uh, faith in the judicial process because of what they've seen for the last two years. So you guys have a rock solid case and we're going to hope for the best. Um, But we know how corrupt the judicial system is. And you actually told me a little bit backstage about, um, you know, just just the the judge presiding over the case. Did you want to talk about that? Mm hmm. So um, she's going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. well, okay. talk about it. Go ahead. So, um, you know, if, if people, if the public isn't aware of, of what's going on, then we're doing them a disservice. And um, in our, in, in the book, uh, the parallel election, we talk about the swamp of Delaware County and it, we were literally called the machine. We were a Republican County for 150 years. And then we flipped Democrat in 2019 including the district attorney who was installed uh, and got a million dollars from Soros. And then our, our county council flipped. But during that time, uh, they, we talk about the machine of, of the uh, Republican Party and uh, how they uh, do their business and keep their jobs and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, they sit on like the, the water authority boards. They sit on the jail oversight boards. They sit on the school, you know, the school board solicitorships. Like they're put everywhere in place and they receive a ton of money. So I just, I wanted to give you that setup of how it works in local politics because it's very important for people to understand because this happens all over the country. So the first judge that we had, Judge Capuzzi, okay, is a Republican. Um, he has uh, uh, connections to now our third judge, wait, one, two, three, sorry, fourth judge. Uh, they live in the same township, have been buddies forever and ever. Um, and then our uh, our second judge, which was Judge Whalen, is the brother-in-law of Bobby Willard. Bobby Willard, who sits on the Delcora uh, um, board. I just want to give you some names. He's the chairman of the board. He's chairman of the board. And there is a secret trust that when they sell Delcora, they will make millions. Multi, it's a multi-million dollar sale. Just 256 million. I'm giving you the setup here. So then our third judge, okay, who is Angelo Spiros, um, or excuse me, Spiros Angelos, 
Uh, his son actually works inside of a solicitor's, uh, very swampy solicitor, Michael Pupio, sits in his office. Pupio? Michael Pupio, yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and then and now our fourth judge, okay, who I said was already connected to the first judge, is also overseeing the sale of none other than Del Cora. <laughs> It's it's tough in a county, you know. The the thing is, is it you know in a small community, which is where Lee and I are fighting. Which is another reason we're not really known nationally. Is we 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 just decided to fight on for our homes in our own backyard. It's hard because everybody's related to everybody. So mm-hmm. ne- you know, that, it's hard to separate that. But it's but it's also a factor when people say, well, it's not a factor. It's absolutely a factor. And what Leah just stated were facts. And I want to be clear that those those are facts. There's nothing, there's no aspersions there. They're just facts. And people can take them as they want to. But I want to, I want to mention the standing because it's a big issue. The, the, the old way we used to do elections was we did it by precincts. And with the Soros-funded uh, laws that were injected into these states, these swing states did, one of them being Act 77, was they took all the judges and they put them on the line. They used to be judges were separate from the Republican and Democrat party. Even though they, they would run as Democrat and Republican, they weren't on the line where if someone pulled a lever, it went all down the line. So the judges were presumably not beholden to the parties. They changed that. Now those judges are beholden to the parties because it, it, when they hit that downstroke, they're on that ballot. But for regards to standing, the laws, the way they were written until they were just recently changed, was allowed us to go in and check ballots at the uh, central uh, decentralized counting centers. And there was the we we were we did that all on election day. So the laws were written for certified poll watchers to be able to intervene and say, "I challenge this application. I challenge this person's identity. Let me see this mail-in ballot." And they were allowed to intervene. That was our right. That was the law. When they changed the law and they changed from election day to election season, mm-hmm. what they've done now is they said, well, certified poll watchers, you only have standing on election day. So what happened was the Commonwealth Court looked at that and we argued that in our, pre- our previous case, which is still in the pellet trajectory. And we said, look at, when do we have standing? If not before, and then during during the election, we can't look at our look at the ballots, and then afterwards we can't look at the ballots. When do we get a chance to exert our rights? So what they did is they did come back. The Commonwealth Court came back and said we had standing as certified poll watchers, as interveners. The other thing that gets conflated very regularly in Pennsylvania is they call it in ray canvassing. It was a Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Uh, decision that said observers have no standing, essentially. Well, observers don't have standing. They're just observers. There's no standing. But in their opinion, in the final paragraph of the opinion says, this doesn't apply to certified poll watchers. They're covered under Pennsylvania election code, paragraph section 2401. And they're just, they're, they're separate. They do have rights. So what we did in court a week and a half ago was when they said, well, you don't have standing. What we did is we asked them, so, okay, when do we have standing? Well, you have standing on election day. Are you sure? Yes. The only day you have standing is on election day. Judge Angelos, what day do we have standing? You have standing only on election day. So, okay, we'll be back. So now 
we have the judge and the council saying that we do have standing for election day. Okay, and the timeline we're trying to to, uh, to 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 get by is once they certify the vote, different rules kick in. What you can do is if you do it proactively, do it during the election and then stop the certification, not the vote. We're stopping the certification until we can investigate these election law violations before they certify. And then now we're in the same shit show we were in in 2020. So what we're trying to do is that's where Lee and I are, are, are uh, slugging it out, learning the lessons that we learned from 2020. Are you guys able to use, I know the the Georgia Sons of Confederate Veterans case in Newton County. Are you guys, I know it's not binding in Pennsylvania, but it can be cited because it's the Georgia Supreme Court. Are you guys using that for standing? Exactly what you're talking about. I actually just, I quoted this today on my Facebook page and you're talking about being a hard party. And it could be anybody. Right. You would have to show injury. Um, the thing about Pennsylvania is, and they are really great at screwing over their citizens, um, is that they have a list, right? So they have this whole list. There's like six bullet points when it talks about being a harmed party. Our constitution and our, they're called pamphlet laws. Uh, these are our like statutes that get added later on, of course. Um it's very different, but yes, we are going to quote it when we amend our complaint, uh, just to say that there is precedent in another state. That's very funny that you bring that up because that's exactly what um, someone had sent that to me just uh, this morning, and I started reading that case. Um, we also talked to the people in in, uh, in Georgia. Um, we, we talked to every we we talked to a lot of states. Uh, we've been talking to the lawyer uh, who is helping Carrie Lake in her uh, legal efforts. Um, we've been talking with Liz Harrington uh, directly um, and Emerald Robinson and a whole bunch of other people. Mississippi. And, uh, we've, we're talking to people in Mississippi who are um, Johnson County, Kansas. Thad Snyder. I'm sure you've heard of him, Nick. Um, he's been he's been I mean, they've been duking it out uh, pro se as well. So there, there's like there's all these special operations going on of all these patriots that are doing this without attorneys. And what we've learned is that um, these attorneys are self-serving and quite honestly unethical and absolutely atrocious and make me want to vomit, to, to be quite honest, um, on what they've done. And also, uh, they, would, they would never do and don't have the spine to do exactly what we're doing. They don't have the spine to say what we are saying. They don't have the spine to, to do the things that we're doing in the courtroom um, and the tactics and strategies that we use. And quite honestly, I, I think... Um, you know, we need to be at a point in this country where people need to start mass filing pro se uh, in, in all sorts of counties. And it would be a death by a thousand cuts. Right. Well, that also, Leah, I just wanted to mention the, the thing that also leads to people keep asking us, whose fault is this? Who's who's in charge? Who's supposed to be doing this? Whose fault is it? And what we've come to the conclusion and what we tell people now is it's the candidate's fault, not the mm-hmm. party's fault. OK, it's not the citizen's fault. It's the candidate's fault. Now, if a candidate says, I want to sit in the big chair and I'm going to take on Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali for a title shot, you know, well, life's unfair and they're the champ. You don't get to do, you know, you don't take care of getting the votes there to the ballot box and then not take care of the ballot box. It's a, it's a holistic integrated, you know, uh, election. And if they're not aware enough and they're not ready to take on that title fight and knock their opponent out, not do a TKO, and then afterwards say, oh, it's not fair, and then concede and leave, 
that's whose fault it is. And it's also the fault of the citizens that support them without saying, hey, what's your plan? We know they're going to cheat. We know life's not fair. You know, give me your strategy and tell me what you're going to do. And all of them say, well, I'm going to go knock on doors until we get enough people. And, you know, Leah can talk about the door knockers. All You know, but what I wanted to say is when people say whose fault it is, it lies directly on the candidate's shoulders. It's, you know, life's unfair. Yeah. And we're in here and Lee and I are just trying to even out the odds at the ballot box. Yeah, I think it's it's been very disappointing uh, following this election where we know that there was fraud. But so many of these Republicans just immediately conceded their election. Blake Masters in Arizona. Uh, another obviously you guys uh, probably are aware of this one. Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz. Uh, it just just immediately when we know that there was wonder. issues. Makes you wonder. Did the guy who lost to the dead guy, did he call his opponent? To- <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Give him a voicemail. <laughs> if, if anything shows you what Pennsylvania is all about when, like, you, you elected a, a dead person to to office. Not uh, Fetterman. We're talking about another guy. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. Well, one of the things is, is Actually, you bring up a good point. Oh, go ahead, Leah. I'm sorry. I just I think actually they're trying to put his wife into the into the seat. Uh, that that's my that's my call. Um, I said I said that like three months ago. I said watch. Well, maybe not three months ago. Maybe two months ago. I said watch. Fetterman's never even going to get sworn in. It's going to be his wife. The illegal. Yeah, she, she boasts about it. But Nick, to your point, uh, we invited Doug Mastriano. I just this needs to be put out there. Um, I, I think the, it was the lone raccoon that put it out there talking about uh, Dougie. And uh, we, we invited Doug to our lawsuit. We've, and uh, I think with it, what was it? After 24 hours, we, we briefed the campaign and told them all of the evidence that we had. And then within, it was like 24 hours, he conceded. And it was a shame because a lot of the people that, are, that have been helpful and that have been a part of this and worked on his campaign were in the room with us when we all found out that he conceded. And let me tell you something. They were furious. Well, people. devastated too. And I think they got an insight because Greg and I have taken arrows. I mean, we've been very, very, uh, you know, uh, we've scrutinized Doug Mastriano from day one. And we took a lot of arrows, a lot of bombs. And that's okay. That's okay. Doug Mastriano, if you guys don't remember, was actually like spear. He he was at the table with Rudy Giuliani at the Gettysburg hearing. I mean, he was he knows all this stuff. He knows that there's fraud. And I... uh, I remember back when he was trying to get a forensic audit in, in Pennsylvania, um, and it was pretty much hijacked from him. We, we, we saw his staff get fired, Jake Corman take over, and Doug Mastriano, I, I kind of watched and waited for his reaction. And he really didn't call out Jake Corman. He really didn't make a big stink about it. He just kind of moved on. And I was like, well, that's disappointing, because now I, I think it would be appropriate for him to say, hey, this is BS. Nothing's going to come of it because the, the the swamp just took over and now they're investigating themselves. But it was it was so when Doug Mastrano conceded, I was disappointed, but I wasn't in, extremely shocked. But um, it is still very disappointing. Yeah, I mean, hit, hit that campaign, that staff, by the way, um, a, a lot of them ended up on his campaign staff. So they didn't completely get screwed. Um, so, and, and the, the, the part about Gettysburg, which, you know, Greg and I were both witnesses of, I mean, we were put out for the wolves. 
Okay. First of all, it wasn't a real hearing. We were never sworn in. It should have been in Harrisburg, but it wasn't. It was in Gettysburg. The lights are in our faces. You know, there was like millions of views of what was going on. And we were putting ourselves out there, right? Never being sworn in. So we had no protection. And the entire panel all voted for Act 77. And that's what boasted Doug Mastriano's run for governor. I mean, he put himself right in the limelight. Um, you know, the other thing too, uh, Nick, and nobody, nobody's talking about this is not nobody, but there are people that, that shy away from the, from the J sixers. And I, I got to tell you something, he led a lot of people down there and there are people sitting in a, in a jail cell. Okay. Because of January 6th, he never talked about it. He never talked about the prisoners, people that went down there, that, that there are people rotting in a jail cell. Okay. And this man never stood up and said, these are my people, you know, they should be free. Didn't touch it with a 10 foot pole. The man was on the, on the steps. And then he takes a stage left. We have the video. He takes a stage left and there's people sitting in a jail cell from Pennsylvania. I mean, this is the real stuff people need to talk about. And people ignored. They put this man on a pedestal prior to the primary, ignored us, suppressed us and called us Jezebels because we were speaking the truth. So I think it needs to be it needs to be said like these candidates they need to answer to us and and the truth needs to come out and the people need to be fighting because we're the ones that are going to take back our republic. Period. The the definition of fighting is what comes into play too. And Doug Mastriano's definition of fighting is very different from Leah's and mine. And I think one of the frustrations, one of the reasons uh he was removed from that committee although, you know, I understand what the optics look like, but sending stern letters and requesting to Philadelphia, York County and Fulton County, uh, Pennsylvania, not Fulton County, Georgia, saying, please let us do an audit. is like knocking on a criminal's door and saying, please, sir, may I come in and look for some evidence? It doesn't work. The only way a, a real fighting is you have to litigate. We talk about this in the book, the parallel election uh, over and over again. Says if you're not litigating, you know, or you're not, you know, you're not really fighting you know, sending stern letters does not mean, hey, I'm fighting for you. And this goes back to whose fault it is. And I don't want to just stick to Doug Mastriano. You're in a title fight trying to take on an 800-pound gorilla that doesn't fight fair. In every election, whether it's Josh Shapiro, Fetterman, Benny Thompson, uh, you know, Kerry Lake's opponents, you are in an 800-pound gorilla fight. It's your job as a candidate to wage that fight effectively. And stern letters and saying, oh, it's not fair. And I'm just listening to the powers that be. And, you know, we'll leave it up to God. And, you know, we're very, Lee and I are both God-fearing people. But don't ask God to dig you a hole when he hands you a shovel. Well said. Well said. Cancom, what's on your mind? I got to know. I, I, I Well, there's two things. First, I want to go back to the, to the unverified ballot thing because um, I've been – there's a there's a lead stories fact checker. Are you guys familiar with it? Uh, oh yeah, so I've been fact checked by, by them. Oh, a couple dude, times. I've been fact check. I'm in a fact check war right now with some Hollywood reporter. That every time I call him out and I shoot, I got him down. I got fact checked by a guy that his claim to fame was um, working for CNN and his 9/11 coverage. So I was like, <laughs> wow, wow. Well, well, so this fact check says uh, that there are not 240,000 unverified ballots as lawmakers are claiming. That is misinformation. Any mail-in or absentee ballot from a voter whose identification cannot be verified 
by the sixth day after the election is not counted. It's important to note that this discussion about quote unquote verification relates to ballot applications. We are not talking about actual ballots. The misinformation incorrectly conflates an application for a mail-in ballot and an approved an approved mail ballot. Let, let me take this. Let me take this the beginning part. What they're doing is they're conflating. They're lying to you, and they're conflating the law. Anyone can register for a vote. The law says that anyone can register to vote. Now, you can register to vote up to, I think, Leah, a week before the election or several days before the election, or I think even some places the day of the election, okay? But then you have to provide your credentials within six days. What they're conflating is the, and, and they're lying is they were sending out mail-in ballots, especially in the swing states, saying, well, we have to send them mail-in ballots. We're required to. And no, you're required to verify those ballots. So the statement that you just read by these fact checkers is it fits the narrative. They're being fed that by attorneys saying, oh, no, no, don't do this. When Leah and I were in court, they couldn't answer those. And where did Leah go? She she was I was going to let she, her. She said she has to get her charger. She's coming right back. OK, she's coming right back. You know, so, so that's sorry. what I wanted to, to respond there. And uh, oh, she's back. She says she's back. Let her back in because I know she wants to go. OK, Leah, I set it up and I just said, OK, registered that's voters and then qualified voters, verified voters, the six days. And just to be specific. They don't get the ballot back in and then say, oh, we're going to verify your ballot that we sent out illegally in six days. That's only for voters who register, okay, and then haven't provided their voter ID, you know, their identification. Okay, those people get six days. It's not six days for everybody. Oh, we'll straighten it out afterwards. We'll segregate the ballots. They're not even supposed to be any ballots from an unverified voter. It's an impossibility if they follow the law and what they've done is as they do over and over again is they set a narrative they lie and then people say well whatever the narrative is instead of knowing the law and they're stuck here in delaware county because lee and i beat the crap out of those solicitors and they have nothing to say so i'm going to let let leah take it home here so the the issue is uh, so it allows for you in Pennsylvania, you are allowed, as long as you pay $10, of course, of course, for any challenge to an application. So it's like a deposit. So if you win, right, you get it back. So this would really uh, interfere, let's say, if we wanted to challenge 25,000 applications, right? Uh, who has that kind of money? Um, I don't. So uh, you have to challenge. Now, why would you want to challenge an application? Can, can maybe one of you guys give me that answer? Or maybe the fact checkers. Why would you want to challenge an application? Any thoughts on that? I'd guess because they don't live there. Uh, they're not a real person. Uh, just, I mean, there's all they're sorts. Dead. Of- Order dead, right? Like the guy that just got voted in from Pennsylvania. Um, Did he vote, by the way? <laughs> we're gonna find out let's fact check that i um, voted for biden 2024 yeah so twice so the interesting right. part is that the law prescribes that you can challenge an application right but you can't challenge the mail-in ballot so my question is why would you why would it allow for you to challenge the application well ding 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 because when you apply you have to provide identification, right? In, in an application, you have to be verified. 
in order to get a ballot. Uh, I see where this is going. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if, if, so now, okay, so they're talking about the after process, but what they're missing is, is that the law, first of all, allows you to challenge the application because you have to be identified to begin with in order to get a freaking ballot to your house. Okay. And so now you're, they have, I've just proven their, their argument. So you can go back to your fact checker and tell them to shove it because the, 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 the application is, is what you can challenge in Pennsylvania because you're looking for an identification. You're, you're, you are saying, does this person live here? Have they provided whatever, you know, you can provide a, a utility bill, you can provide a passport, you know, whatever it is that we accept, you have to do that before you receive a ballot in your hands. So right. they never should have received the damn thing, okay, without being verified first for their application. So And it was up to the candidates to do that. We tried to do it, but we couldn't do it because we weren't candidates. So so, so in that in that fact check, they said they have until six days after the election to verify. Where did they verify even get a that registered from? voter? The voter has to be registered, meaning they should never have received the application. They should never have received a ballot at all. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. They cannot send Common the ballot sense. out. They're not they're not saying, oh, well, we're just going to see you stuffed in 25,000 people here. And we're going to try to figure out if we can verify them after the election. They should never have the ballot at all. They only have six days to verify a registered voter who has not provided, you know, it was late, who has not right. provided their identification yet. That's a very small number. And the people that, see, I'm not an expert in this area, but the people that receive ballots and tabulate ballots, that's not even in their job description, right? That's that's not something, they don't verify voters after the fact because it's not even their job. Correct. So they just probably, they were, they weren't, they, 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 they were, um, the Republican House was trying to get them to issue a directive that you guys screwed up you sent out a bunch of ballots to unverified voters and you need to instruct the election workers to set those aside but they never issued that directive so what likely happened is 255,000 ballots were just straight up counted or deleted from the or we don't know yeah deleted from the rolls which is what we talked about so you know how do we know that they were segregated what trust them they don't even follow the laws or their own procedures. That's what they keep saying. And the other part, too, is, um, you know, we're going to keep moving forward with lawsuits. There's plenty of things that we could sue for. Uh, but the, the biggest uh, thing is that the difference um, between poll watchers and these observers, it's like this new class of people that they created in 2020 because now they've taken, the, you know, they've created these centralized counting centers and these people are just like turnips. They just stand there. You can't do anything. Right. And so far away from anything. So how would I be able to even see what's on an envelope or whatever? So you have these two classes of people. Now we have poll watchers who've been given rights since um, forever. And now you have a new class of observers. So let me try to explain the, the argument here. So we have uh, information and evidence that in 2020 and 2022, our polling uh, places, which have observation, the ability to challenge the ability to scrutinize and, and, and to do a whole bunch of things. In 2020, we had uh, two, 220 precincts that were unreconcilable. And in 2022, we had 105 precincts that were unreconcilable. Now, this is with people that are allowed to scrutinize, challenge, and oversee the process. 
Okay, so it's already a mess, even with all of those things in place. Now take the observers, okay, who have no rights, can't challenge a mail-in ballot, can't see anything, can't scrutinize, and are told to shut their mouths, and they have to stand 75 feet back, okay? And then we're supposed to say, then then they're saying, oh, no, everything's fine. This process is good, okay? It, 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 it you know, it's free and fair and safe and secure, like in their own words, they, they, they kill themselves every single time, every single time. And nobody is talking about these different classes of people, which is disenfranchising the, the in-person vote. Because if you have, a, you have a process that is completely unobservable, no scrutiny, can't do anything about it, nothing, okay, that's just being run just amok and versus, a, a, you know, the in-person vote which now is being screwed up even more and delayed because we have scanning issues on top of it. Because they didn't do the logic and accuracy testing. That's why we have two-hour lines in Maricopa. Yeah, that's right. That's And in Harris County, Texas, in Michigan, oh. in Florida. Oh, they did the logic and accuracy test, but they did it with a different size paper. And they they know that those trays only hold the correct size paper, but on election day they had ballots that I think were an inch too long and they were being rejected. So that was no accident. No, it was not an accident. That's what people have to understand, Nick. These, this is not an accident. These are purposeful, very purposeful attempts to cull the in who's who votes on election day. Mostly Republican. Right. Right. And you, you would think if you're going to, if you're, if you're Katie Hobbs in Arizona, secretary of state, you're the head election official and you're going to run for governor, you would do, Everything in your power to make this the cleanest, smoothest, safest, securest election in your because it's a a referendum on you and your competence in the office that you're seeking to hold, right? But exactly, <laughs> election day, thirty percent of the machines don't work. Like it's and it, dude, it's so much worse than that. Like I was listening to the the board of supervisors, the public comment yesterday, and they're 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 underselling this big time. I mean, the the clerks that are working these polls are saying that they were rejecting ballots nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. Originally, they said one out of every five oh was being rejected. No, it's nine out of ten. People are saying that every ballot was rejected, ballot after ballot. We're seeing the same thing throughout the entire country. This is deliberate. This is it's either deliberate or it's a testament that we need to get rid of these damn machines because they're supposed to make our life easier and they're doing the exact opposite. Well, they should work. They should work if they follow the procedures and the whole point of the parallel election and what the lawsuits and, you know, Leah engaged a a lot of different groups. And I'm just going to mention the deep divers because they're going to be waiting for us to say something. The the deep divers uh, have been here in Delaware County. They've been a blessing and they had eyeballs on everything fill out affidavits and if you follow the procedures it makes it difficult to cheat but they didn't follow the procedures purposefully so they can't say this oh we did logic and accuracy testing no you purposely broke the procedures so that this would happen so that's why we get to the point where we can make the bridge and we can make the gap and we don't sound like conspiracy theorists saying well you know, they come up with some plausible excuse and we say, no, what you did was very, very purposeful because you left these specific steps out, which will create scanning issues. So don't tell us that you did the same thing all over the country. It didn't just happen in Delaware County. This was purposeful 
It was conspiratorial. It was coordinated. Agreed. Can I, can I ask you guys, I, I, I read your, the article that, that, that the gateway published, I covered it this morning on one of my other programs and I got to know about this, uh, chain of custody, six hours thing. Oh yeah. So I I have to, this, this story is unreal to me. (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. And this isn't the first time they've done this. So they had purchased in July, I'll, I'll give you the beginning. They purchased the building for $15.4 million in, um, in media, Pennsylvania. Okay. Now this was supposed to be used for very specific reasons, uh, uh, not for the election. So let me just start with that piece. It's called the flagship building. So from July on, this was never mentioned in a board of elections meeting, county council meeting, never presented to the public, was not a part of our election procedures at all. So we have a, a witness that came forward that used to do surveillance and um, they had watched these people. They had uh, a team of two go to the 40 drop boxes because we have 46% of the state's drop boxes. And then they would collect these ballots from these drop boxes. And as the procedures say, they were supposed to go to our government center. Well, that's not where they went. They went to this flagship building, which was purchased in July, which had no observation. Okay. Uh, they were they were just going in, coming out. That was it. So they got caught with that. And then, so there's like a, there's a huge lapse. First of all, they never should have gone there because now you have the ballots in the hands of yet more people under no observation, which provides vulnerabilities and more vectors for fraud. So it goes to this one building and then it goes back to the counting center. So it goes it goes Dropbox, flagship building, and then it goes to uh, the, the, the county. We don't know. Or, or it could have gone wherever the hell it wanted to. So the Jim Allen, our buddy, says to one of our witnesses, because they were asking about this flagship building, okay, which we were not told about, the public. And they're like, um, you want to talk about the flagship building and, like, why things went there and why there was such a delay and everything? And he was like, well, you know. Um, we were just trying to figure out a place for these for these Dropbox ballots to go. And I just remembered that we had this county building that we purchased for $16 million. It was like, light bulb, we're going to use this place, okay? And, and there was no explanation. And it was never supposed to be used for elections at all. And he's like, oh, it was just this brainy idea that we should, we should use this and, and break up the chain of custody and and all of these people are going to be involved and unobserved and it's fine trust us we got this but now the the part you don't know is that the people prior to the uh election day that were collecting the the ballots from the drop boxes they weren't taken to the flagship building they were taken to the counting center so why the difference in procedures why before election you take it directly to the counting center and then on election day, you have a process and procedures that you never talked about with the public in a building that has no observation that you never presented to the public. Secret. Secret. A right. secret building. And then completely change the, the procedure and then not tell anyone that that is like a part of the elections uh, and, and observation poll watchers, observers, that this is happening. Why can't we have eyes on those Dropbox ballots before they go to their next – like? This is what we're talking about. Yeah, what, what he's asked for, Leo, is he's yeah. like the, t- the time lapse. 
all the V drives were dropped off by the judges of elections. It's the first thing they did when they walked into where they dropped off everything. So they put them all in a big bin. Yet those V drives took hours to make it back, mm-hmm. hours to make it back, and although they were all dropped off at the same time. The bags that went, Leah said, that went to the flagship building, The not only is there a break in the chain of custody, but those those green bags that were filled with ballots, they trickled in the whole night. And this is what we're talking about from a time lag, is part of a chain of custody is not just who you handed it to, but the time. So my question is, is why, why it's a 10 minute drive. What happened to that bag for the last four hours? What happened to the V drive for the last four hours? Where, where were they? And if you don't do the logic and accuracy testing, right, which they didn't do, it creates a vector for fraud where they can create an entire election, you know, you know, in that short amount of time. That's why that time lag is pertinent. What, how many, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of quantity of ballots are we talking about in this, in this time frame? Tens of thousands. Oh my goodness. It's not, not too, hundreds. Tens not, of not just, yeah. And this is just Delaware County. So outcome determinative amount, right? Absolutely. It's a huge determination. If we've looked through all the contracts. We've listened to thousands of hours of audio. So our mail sorter, the blue press machine, which is found all across the country that, that was supposed to be used and was purchased with the CTCL money because it was everything, everything more efficient, which it doesn't. Um, it can run 50,000 ballots per hour. So in the fifth largest county in Pennsylvania, how many did we have? How many? So 327,000. That was 2020. This election, I'm not sure yet, Leah. It was 68,000 mail-in ballots, and I'm not sure what the end-day counting was. It take a few hours, maybe four at best. That's it. You, you do the keep, whole election in a few hours. You know, you, you keep saying this term uh, vector for fraud, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, we don't know what happened in that four, six hour period. And that's the problem. And that's a for me and for everybody out there. That's a big enough problem to, you know, not even be. How can I possibly trust what comes out the other side? It's like if I had if I had a bag of diamonds. Right. And I said, there's 100 in there. Handed it to you. You signed, and then and then and then the third guy's like, "All right, I'm going to take this into a undisclosed location. I'll be right back, and then come back and say, yeah, there's a hundred diamonds in here, but you can't look inside.' Right? I'm I'm going to be like, no, I'm not paying you whatever. I'm not paying you a hundred thousand dollars for those or whatever for those diamonds because I I can't trust it, and that's what they expect us to do with our votes, with our elections." That's yeah. enough for me to just completely want to toss this whole election out and ask for a new one. Yeah, the ten trillion that, dollar economy. How, Not a bag of diamonds. The ten trillion ten trillion dollar economy. Twenty six right. trillion, if you take in trillion, whole yeah. GDP. Yeah. Um, how well is this documented? Oh. Like you, you said, a surveillance Good. team. So I'm hoping they know what they they were doing. Mm-hmm. Check the affidavits. Check our files. We have the, these people all knew what they were doing. Please. These are these are not. This was an amateur hour. I'm going to clip this and and definitely write something up on this. So please, when we get finished up here, we'll exchange information. I'd like to get everything I can to write this up because this needs to be blasted out everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, this is insane that somebody right. somebody would allow something like that to happen. Just, I mean, 
I think in Maricopa County, I think the most egregious thing out in Maricopa County is the fact that Malins go to Runbeck. But at least you know they're at Runbeck. At least you know it. it it's Do not you? good at all. But Do this, you? Are you sure? That's a. I mean, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. If the you know the company that that donates exclusively to Democrats, Democrats. for the last twenty years is also the the company that's scanning in the ballots has access to the voter rolls and also oh by the way the ability to print more ballots yeah, nothing to <laughs> oh see there God. I mean why would they <laughs> so ridiculous Shocker. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane how bad we have let let, let this country go agreed please so, read the bloody book tell people to read the bloody book because it's all in there. Greg, I've been and, following and, you since that Gettysburg hearing. Uh, you. you know, I, I, I cite that often. So the the name of the book one more time: Parallel Elections. Par- I haven't read it yet. I'm going to be honest. The Parallel Election. It, it uh, www.parallelelection.com. Um, and it, you know, we've we've had the blueprint for two and a half years, and we've been screaming from from the rooftops. It's funny how uh, our, our phones have been ringing off the hook and they're like, hey, I read your book and everything happened exactly how you said it was going to. I was like, uh-huh, yeah. And this is, this is what we want to teach people across the country. That's the okay. goal. Okay, so you guys know where to find it. And uh, I want to ask you guys uh, two questions, actually. Because I think we're going to wrap this up about the hour mark and uh, I know you guys got busy schedules. But I wanted to ask you, because I don't know the answer to this question. Has the certification of an election ever been delayed? Oh, yeah. Has it ever been stopped? Is there precedent for that? And yeah. uh, what? What? Are, so there's an example of that happening in a prior election. And what? Uh, when did that happen? It's happened multiple times throughout the country, and it's for different reasons. Okay, so this is a specific reason. And election, the certification, the, the, the only date that's hard and fast is the installation date. So one of the whole reasons for January 6th was they needed to certify the election. This is when all different rules kick in, okay? And the threshold to stop it becomes very high after certification. So January 6th, they needed to certify that vote when no one was looking at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's why January 6th existed. The only hard date is the installation date. So for the President of the United States, the Constitution says, January 20th, whoever you're going to put in there, you better get them seated. But everything before that, there's the, the law does allow for scrutiny. The, 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 the fact of the matter that they never do doesn't mean that the law doesn't exist to allow that scrutiny. That's why they have a certification process to begin with. There's no timeline. There's, you know, they make one up when they, they have a working timeline, but we can object during certification. It's the whole purpose of certification. Other So... so- so the installation, I'm sorry. So the installation date is hard, uh, set in stone. Y- you would have to have a new election. So, uh, so there's a, a very specific case out of Pennsylvania, Marks versus Stenson, uh, Bruce Marks specifically. And what they had found, and Greg, you can kind of talk on this, but you were talking about precedent. But when they found that uh, fraud occurred, they uh, placed the rightful owner of the of the of the uh, election into position. And that was Bruce Marks. So, um, and Greg can, we actually spoke to Bruce Marks, but uh, Greg, you can be a little bit quick um, about this particular topic when it comes to uh, voter fraud and certification and all that. 
Well, the questions I asked were, what's the difference between getting it before certification and after certification? And uh, in his case, they, they had lost the objection. He did file pre-certification. So even though he lost that particular injunction, what it did is it put a marker in place. Because if you object after the certification, you know, now you have different thresholds. And, and that what Leah said earlier, she talked about it's $10 to challenge an application. To do a recount, you have to put up a huge bond, you know, and that 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 has to be done after certification. So those don't kick in. If you don't certify the vote and you delay it and you say, wait a minute, I'm not certifying this vote. OK, so I don't have to pay to actually have, you know, the recounts are incumbent on the boards of elections, not incumbent on the candidates to come up with the money saying you screwed the pooch on this. OK, you are the ones who made the mistakes and introduced the fraud and the vectors for fraud. Gotcha. The other question I have before we before we wrap up is um, and then can kind if you have any questions, feel free. But I wanted to know just as a logistical thing. How does this affect the rest of the state of Pennsylvania and their ability to certify the state of Pennsylvania if, say, you guys get the um, the certification delayed in Delaware County? How does that work? I'm, well, um, what our thoughts are is that it set, certainly sets a precedent, um, and I think it forces other people to, to, to intervene, and I, I think it brings awareness to the process. Uh, but I, I would definitely feel that it would, it would cause a chain reaction because uh, there's other counties that are, you know, that are that have done their you know their due diligence and they've definitely investigated. Um, you know, Luzerne County for one, of, you know, for one, for God's sakes, they had they ran out of ballots. Like that, that's just one of the examples. I know that there were scanning issues all over the place. So there's definitely a, it would definitely set a precedent uh, in Pennsylvania, and it would it would affect. I mean, we were the ones that that gave uh, Biden his win. And we were the last county to certify in the 2020 election. I mean, we have a pretty significant amount of, of votes, um, but, you know, we, we don't know what it's going to cause. And then we'll allow law enforcement or whoever to come in and uh, do what they're supposed to do, do a proper investigation and hold people accountable. So well, hopefully the candidates will step back in. You know, maybe the candidates can, you can, even though you concede, they can always, if there's fraud, you can unconcede. Say, wait a minute, I conceded thinking there was no fraud. So hopefully the candidates will step back in. I mean, like Leah and I are, are we're, we're sticking to our county because this is what we know. This is what we're good at. And some of these things are not that they're above our pay grade, but there's a certain point where we can, we cannot take responsibility. We cannot care more, you know, about, the, about this than the candidate can. Well, this is going to be, I mean, the, the, the time is going to go by quick, ladies and gentlemen. And this is our fight right now. Um, like I said at the beginning of the show, once they certify, it's a complete and total uphill battle. And, I mean, if you guys look at the board, what they've been able to accomplish in this midterm is they have gotten the board locked. The, the, the Democrats control this. I mean, the Secretary of State positions, not a single America First uh, candidate got in, Attorney General's. Governors, I mean, this is and, and and the state legislature too, right? In Arizona, if that election's allowed to stand, they have a, a single vote majority. You probably got a couple rhinos in there, and then you got Katie Hobbs to veto all the bills. And it's just it, it, this elect. If this election stands, we are we're going to have a. I mean, twenty twenty four is not going to it's not going to happen. I, I'm I got to be blunt about that. It's just not going to happen. There, there's no way Trump can win in a free and fair election, obviously. 
but not with this current system. And and so if we if if it stands, it guys, it, we have to fix the fraud. Is what I'm saying. And so uh, you guys are trying to do that, and we really appreciate it. And before we go, I want to give a shout out because we were talking, we were kind of bashing the rest of the candidates that did not step up. I know Carrie Lake obviously is fighting, fighting like hell. Uh, but also we want to recognize and that the third person in our lawsuit, um, our current injunction is Nicole Messino. So she ran uh, for the House of Representatives in the 165th District, and she was the only one to, only. Uh, to, to stand up. Um, she is a, a grassroots her story is pretty amazing. Uh, she ran in the primary as a write-in candidate against the establishment Republican who they endorsed, and she won. So, um, yeah, he was actually – well, actually, he was kicked off the ballot because he didn't even live in the district. So uh, she's been a champion from the very beginning. So she was the only one that stepped up, and I want to give her a lot of praise uh, for doing that. So, Yeah, we, we have to recognize the people that are stepping up and fighting, and I hope that Doug Mastriano – uh, finds the courage to do that as well. Like you said, if he conceded, but he believes that there's fraud, he can still change his mind. And so maybe the people out there that have, you know, because I've, I've been really supportive of Doug and uh, I, I want to see him step up and maybe just the, the people in Pennsylvania and around the country that uh, supported Doug, just let him know, man, that you, you expected him to step up. You expected him to fight this. He was there in Gettysburg and he knows what's going on in Pennsylvania. So, this is pretty disappointing. Let let him know. Let him know. Make your voices heard. And uh, Brian, did you did you have anything before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, just real, I mean, real quick to speak on what you're saying about the America first. They lost in every one of the swing states. In Georgia, they all lost. In in Pennsylvania, they all lost. In Michigan, they all lost. In Wisconsin, they all lost. And in Arizona, they all lost. It it, it can't be. And those are the only places that America first candidates lost. The only Read the places. <laughs> Read the book. <laughs> I, I know I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I'm definitely going to read that. Um, the last thing that I just wanted to say is where can people keep up with your case and, and follow you guys? I'll answer this one. This is www.patriot.online. We set up our own social media platform uh, to make sure we wouldn't be silenced. We're regularly canceled. Leah's really good at getting canceled on Facebook. She gets about two days, then boom, she's in jail again for no, back not. in the slammer. But www.patriot.online. And it's not patriotonline.com. It's not patriotonline. You know, it's just www.patriot.online. Right at the top of the page, you'll see a link for election resources. And it's also a social media platform. We have quite of uh, we have over a thousand writers and about forty thousand readers. So we're um, you know we we get a lot of good stuff out there. And uh, all the election resources are cases, downloads. Uh, videos, uh, a lot of the media appearances will be loading this up there, Nick, so people can find it uh, there as well as on Rumble and um, the www.patreon.line. And then for the book, the parallelelection.com, it's great that we get that because we control the trajectory of that. We make a we make a few more pennies on it. It's really like pennies on the dollar. But you can also get it on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, all the normal outlets, and please buy the book. It'll make our jobs a lot easier. One last thing, guys, if you don't mind me mentioning, our hearing uh, is uh, Monday, November 21st at 11 a.m. Uh, they're having a Patriot rally at 9 a.m. Uh, right outside of the courthouse. Uh, and we would like to see more people uh, there and rallying. Uh, even the media can come there. We would actually appreciate it. I'm sure they're going to try to make some kind of 
uh, noise and bring all of their people. So we're asking people to please come to the Delaware County uh, uh, Court of Common Pleas in Media, Pennsylvania. Uh, Our hearing is at 11 a.m., but we will be there at 9 a.m. with all the other patriots that are there to support and we need to we need to do that. So, guys, uh, do me a favor and, and share that information and share this live stream. If you could please click the share button, post this to your social media pages. So, uh, you guys got a you guys got a hearing on Monday. We definitely want to have you back on when we get some updates. And um, look, I'm I'm hoping for the best here. I'm hoping for the best, but we can never fault you guys. You've done everything, absolutely everything imaginable to to try to fight hold these people accountable, expose the fraud. And we're extremely, extremely grateful. Um, so if you guys could do me a favor, click like, subscribe, uh, sub- also subscribe to Mr. CanCon here, rumble.com slash CanCon. Go find these guys. And Leah, you put something in the, yeah, it's, in that the was, chat. That was just the call to action for, um, for Monday. Uh, we need, we need a lot of, um, just really great people, you know, peaceful protesting and to, to let them know, first of all, it's our courthouse, but, um, you know, so, so I'll make sure to put this information that you, she sent in the private chat up on my telegram channel, um, at, at Wilf Moseter. And I'm sure Brian will share it as well. Yep, so we can, right cause, now. cause this is what we need guys. We need like in Arizona, there's a situation going on where they've, um, they've given them an ultimatum that if, you know, we're demanding a new election, we're going to wait till Friday and see what you guys, how you guys respond. And if not, we're going to ascend on Arizona peacefully and shut everything down because this is just we're, we're sick and tired of this. So the more people we get out there, you know, off our computers, off our phones and actually get out there and show these people because, I mean, protests work. Uh, show up. Just show these people how many people do not believe in the election that just happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't believe the results or don't trust it. And aren't happy. I mean, if you just show these people how many of of you there are out there, it has an impact. It has an effect. And it also uh, strengthens, emboldens, and gives courage to people like Leah and and Greg. So I know you guys probably, a lot of you guys got to work on Monday. But if you can get out there, get out there, bring a friend. And I want to thank you guys for for coming on. And definitely want to have you back. So uh, I think we're going to sign off. And uh, I want to thank you guys for watching. Any Anything that you guys want to say before we go? Uh, just thank you so much for, for having us, Nick. You've, you've been a, a big supporter from the very beginning uh, to, to Mr. CanCon here. I'm sorry. I've been trying to reach out to you uh, as well. It's hard to get a hold of people. I know you guys are super busy. Uh, yeah, I'm you, the worst. You, you're very much on top of, of what you're doing. You guys, the podcast, the you know, these independent, you know, um, uh, podcasts and radio stations, uh, you know, you, you are what help us uh, stay afloat. So God bless you guys for what you do. And thank you very much for having, uh, you know, and everybody else, please keep the faith, keep the hope uh, alive because they want us to, to stop, to stop fighting. And we never can. Amen. So. Amen. All right, guys. I want to thank you for watching and uh, we'll see you next time.